Welcome to In the Fire, a podcast for the young families of Chapelgate Presbyterian Church. Marriage and parenting are a wonderful blessing and are extremely rewarding, but they're also really hard and can leave us feeling exhausted, overwhelmed, and defeated. That's exactly why we started this podcast, to help families see how the gospel injects encouragement, comfort, and hope into the daily grind of our lives, and to remind you that you're never alone in the struggle. There is another In the Fire. Welcome to In the Fire. My name is Rob Gicking. I'm the host of this podcast, and I'm joined today by a very special guest, Eliza Huey, who is the Director of Counseling at McLean Bible Church in Virginia. Eliza, thanks for being with us. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be with you. Well, we're really excited. Um, obviously, today's podcast is going to be on a raising, uh, uh, raising emotionally healthy kids. Mm-hmm. And I thought you might know something to do with that, given that you wrote a book with that exact title. <laughs> I did. And it's actually just a pleasure to talk to Chapelgate families. Chapelgate has a very, is a very near and dear to my heart after working at Life Counseling Center for many years. Um, I know a lot of the families and I know a lot of uh, young families are very invested in knowing, like, how do I raise my kids in this season of life of, um, and not just season of life, but just the culture that we're raising our kids in and stuff. So I am thrilled to be here and thrilled to be able to talk about this little book that I wrote. Hopefully it's helpful to the families. Yeah, thanks. I'm sure it is and will be. Um, and before we get too deep into, you know, the the, the core of, of our material today, um, I want to make sure that our guests get to know you a little bit. And so Eliza was being uh, modest. She also does stuff with the seminary here at Metro Baltimore. She's a dean of counseling. Is that right? Yep. I yeah. Sure am. So she's not busy at all. But anyway, let's play. <laughs> let's play a game, Eliza. This is called This or That, and I'm gonna give uh, two things out to you. Um, you know, in the form of this or that, and as fast as you can, I just want you to answer, and I want you to be honest. Okay. This is not a time to impress the four listeners of the In the Fire podcast. Four, okay. Yeah. Good. yeah. This is time to just be be honest. So, are, are you ready? Mm-hmm. Fish or chicken? Chicken. Ice cream or chocolate? Oh man, are you serious? That's not even fair. Okay, um, chocolate ice cream. Can I do that? <laughs> that is fine. Uh, that counts as ice cream for those of you keeping score. Mountains or beach? Mountains, a hundred percent of the time. Dogs or cats? Oh gosh, that's so hard. I really like them both. If you if you ever watched me um, scroll through Instagram, it's both of those things. So I'm gonna say dogs today. That's good because that is that is actually the correct answer. Lord oh. of the Rings or Harry Potter? Lord of the Rings. Candy corn or Whoppers? Whoppers. Star Wars or Star Trek? Oh gosh, that's hard too. They're both good. Um, Star Wars. I'm probably gonna make some enemies on this one, but just hear me that it could be either. So I'm gonna say, wait, the wait, the game is either or, isn't it? I'm gonna. Oh no, that means I do have to choose. Yep, you gotta choose. I'll go Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. All right. Final bonus round. This is the, the make or break ballot here. All right. In sync or Backstreet Boys? <laughs> that's actually really hard too, knowing the era that I grew up in. Oh man, I'm gonna go with ah uh, either one. I'll go with Backstreet Boys. Yep, you want it that way. I get okay. it. It makes sense. <laughs> I was going to say it was tearing up my heart if you chose instinct, but I guess either way is good. Well, Eliza, thanks for playing. Um, I'm sure that our, our listeners will be, you know, some of them were cheering along and some of them are probably outraged, but you know what? 
that's just the cost of being a celebrity, you know? <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Eliza, obviously we didn't uh, didn't make this meeting time so that we could talk about this or that, although that is fun. We, we're actually here to talk about kids and specifically raising children in, you know, our modern world. And mm-hmm. so I guess my first question is, what are some of the things that you see um, both in a professional standpoint and just as, as a Christian, as a mom yourself, like what are you seeing as the trends of today's children? Gosh, yeah. Well, so... One of the things that I think probably almost everybody is aware of is just how much the pandemic has impacted our kids. Many children, like every bit of their structure was removed and all of the things that create a certain amount of stability and, and just even comfort in their life was removed in uh, those, those almost two years that we were um, in various ways of lockdown and quarantine. And I think this is something that it's not just I'm thinking about that, but our country is thinking about it. And in fact, um, this year, this January, so not all that long ago, there was um, an announcement by the American Psychological Association that basically said that the U.S., the youth in the U.S. are in a mental health crisis. And so this is something that we're all feeling, that there is there is a crisis amongst the youth. And, it, and I would say even, it's not just in the US that we're seeing this in the UK in Canada and other places as well, um, that there's, there's these global surveys that are going around because we're, we're seeing that kids are deeply affected emotionally more significantly from the pandemic, but that wasn't just the pandemic. Things were happening. I mean, as I mentioned, I, I was a part of Life Counseling Center for many years and we saw children there and, kids were struggling before that. So I think the pandemic almost just like brought it to light and Mm. kind of fast forwarded, you know, the whole situation and put it right down in the center of parents' vision um, of just, Hey, you can't, you can't ignore this. This is really happening. And we're seeing it in various ways. I would say like anxiety is probably significant. Um, That has been on the rise and continues to be on the rise as well as depression and other emotional Uh, struggles that kids have, but we're seeing that show up more and more and younger and younger when it used to be around somewhere between 10, 11 kids would start to, you would, we would start to see kids, uh, parents mainly seeking out care for their kids. Now it's getting younger and younger to where we're seeing the, the, the average age around between six and eight instead, which is a lot younger um, for kids dealing with things. So, yeah, that's, that's really, um, that's, that's alarming. It is concerning for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the questions I think, um, and I think this actually got brought up in our class that you taught at the seminary when we did the, the biblical counseling side is, do, do you feel this is, is it an either or, is it an and, are we better at diagnosing? Are we better at seeing the issues or do you think, and that's why the numbers are increasing or is this really like, hey, the struggles and the challenges and the obstacles that kids are facing today really are different. And that's that's partially why we're seeing this increase in in, in such case notice, you know? Yeah. I think a lot of people are asking that question. And the thing that I would say to that is, so let's just kind of go back in history, not all that long ago. And it used to be specifically as we're talking about the church being in the church and Christians, it used to be a lot more taboo to talk about emotional struggles and counseling was seen with a certain amount of like negative stigma attached to it. Right. That's not the case anymore. The times have changed. And now actually it's pretty 
popular. It's pretty, it's kind of cool. It's kind of trendy, if you will, to have a counselor to, to be going to therapy. And this is also true for children. So this is not just adults who are now like, I have my therapist, I have my counselor, but now kids as well are seeing it as something that is also no longer attached to any, there's nothing wrong, if you will, air quotes, wrong with you if you have a counselor's actually showing health. And so I think that shift has made us talk about these things more openly, which is really good. But I also think part of it too is that uh, kids are far more aware of mental health challenges and mental health struggles than they used to be. For example, when I was a kid, mental health struggles or mental health diagnosis even were something for adults. Like we did not ever, it wasn't something that we were talking about as kids. We weren't um, hearing of our friends dealing with struggles emotionally. That isn't to say that there weren't struggles, but it was more like something that adults dealt with. Now that is not the case. And so more and more kids are aware of mental health issues. They see it on social media. They, they have friends who are struggling with different things. They themselves feel a lot of emotions a lot of the time, and they're willing and able actually to talk about it a lot more openly. So I think that has also presented a lot more of a need and parents can actually feel really lost in it because, you know, they, they want to care for their child well, but they also don't really know, like if they're a parent, they weren't dealing with this stuff as a child. And so it's new territory for them in the, in the realm of parenting. So I think it's, it's all of those things kind of add to just how the prevalence of what we're seeing. Yeah, I, I can I can certainly see that in my own you know limited professional experience you know doing youth ministry with middle and high school students um, you know over the past eight years compared to when I was even right in middle and high school mm-hmm. ministry is I can't remember a single time that that a colleague a peer of mine in middle or high school said that they suffered from you know fill in the blank um, you right. know struggle that you know I just feel stressed or like I feel tired or I feel this like we 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 talk that way but you know, now having done youth ministry for eight years, I mean, it, it was common. It was commonplace to the point where when I was coaching my, my group discussion leaders, I would say, it say, Hey, listen, help the students see how this passage applies to their depression, to their mm-hmm. anxiety, to their, you know, their struggle with their own self-esteem fluctuating, you know, off the chart high or off the chart low. And I, I think that you're right. There is a sense in which our kids are, are dealing with this in a new, in a new uh, way. So, so, what are some of the things that you encourage parents to look for with their kids um, to know, is my kid having a hard time or is my kid maybe in, in need of a little more uh, support than I can give? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's really kind of where I ended up tackling uh, the direction of the book is I, it's it's set up in a way that there are different tips. I think there's, I don't even know, let me look because I actually have the book here. Um, you think when you write a book, you know it really well, but believe it or not, you have to go back and visit it. So there's six tips. There's okay. six tips for parents. And um, one of the the first couple tips talks about exactly what you're addressing here, which is how do I know if this is you know, teenage angst, or is this really an emotional struggle? Is this kind of that, that transition from, from the, you know, elementary, early childhood to like maybe pre-puberty and there's a lot more emotions and hormones, you know, or is this normal, you know, or is this something I need to be concerned about? And so uh, what I do in the book is I basically divide up and really I divide it up in different ages and stages of children and what's normal and what you should be concerned about and even what questions you could ask. And I start from birth and I go up to 
all the way up through teen years. And so if you have a child at home who's a toddler or a teenager, you're going to benefit from some of these things. And it's, it's helpful because you can just turn to whatever age group your children are in and read that read um, what I share there. And so basically what I'm trying to help parents see is there are some things that are actually normal, though they kind of present as alarming. So let me give you one example. This happens to me a lot. So I, I get phone calls from parents who are wondering the very question you just asked is, is this something I need to be concerned about? And one of the things that happens often is um, children in the ages around, I would say it's around eight to 11 in that age group, they become more self-aware. They become more aware of how people perceive them and, and what they can do or they cannot do to kind of gain positive or negative attention and so forth. And their peers begin to matter a whole lot more. They de they've developed empathy in a very strong way. So they feel a lot stronger towards situations than maybe when they were little. And um, they, with this self-awareness become there, there's a natural tendency to, with this self-awareness, become a little bit more hyper-focused on yourself. And so you see certain um, tendencies in that age group to, to be very self-conscious and to, um, it, it can be manifested in various kind of nervous ways. Uh, and this is in some ways can be concerning because a child who normally felt very confident, you're starting to see them be very insecure in different ways. But what I would tell parents is let's give this some time. Now, if that's all, if that's all there is that they're seeing, then I would say, let's give it some time. If there's other things that you know, parents will share, then we'll talk a little bit more and try to see if this is something that where counseling might be helpful. But that's just a season of, of life, if you will, an age that kids go through when they begin to make that shift and become more self-aware that you'll start to see certain things that you didn't see before. It doesn't mean you need to rush them to counseling. It does mean that we need to pay attention and help them think through that. But being aware of how hormones impacts kid, impacts the children at different ages and stages, being aware of just even what is normal development of an emotional um, awareness is very helpful. And so I address that, like I said, I divided up in different ages and stages and then um, talked about what parents can do and when parents need to be a little bit more concerned. And I think that's probably been the thing that I've heard has been most helpful for parents is that they're able to say, okay, I was really worried about this but I see that that kind of falls into kind of a normal part of this stage. Um, or I wasn't really worried about it. And I see these other things that you shared that kind of make me realize I need to be more attentive to what's going on. And both matter, right? I mean, on, on you can do damage on, on both sides of that coin, right? If, if I'm a, a father who, you know, um, you know, just sort of it just washes it off, you know, oh, it's no big deal, no big deal. I'm like, well, okay, maybe, maybe I have a child who really does need a little more support, a little more help, a little more uh, targeted approach than I'm able to offer, you know, that, that could be hurtful. And at the same time, if, if I panic every time my kid has a struggle, you know, maybe right. they're going through some normal things, but the way I respond as, as, you know, kind of the leader of a, a parent, a mom, a dad, I mean, that can, that can cause a lot of anxiety, like, oh my gosh, sure. you know, I'm just a kid, but my parents think there's something tragically wrong with me. And maybe there is. Yeah. And it's true. I mean, we can misstep on either side. The good thing is, is if you as a parent are listening to this and you're saying, I want to help my child be in the most, um, in the most possible, as much as it depends on you as a parent, um, best place for their emotional health, then you're already doing good. You're mm. already, you know, navigating this well and asking good questions is 
always really an important thing. I think that's oftentimes parents don't even know what I'm supposed to ask. And um, in one of the tips uh, that I talk about regarding your children's feelings, you kind of touched on this a little bit, like, do we overreact or do we sometimes underreact? And um, in that in that section, when I talk about regarding their their feelings, that can be really hard, especially if you're in a stage with your child or you just have a child whose personality, I'm sure there's some parents out there whose children are like very emotional, like everything kind of sets them off. Um, knowing how to navigate that can be really, really tricky. And one of the things that I share in there is just how do you regard your children? your child's feelings when their feelings seem to always be kind of on the high end of the spectrum. And then also when you have a child who tends to kind of just always be like, I'm fine, I'm okay. And there's also a concern in kind of, if you will, unintentionally neglecting that child because they just don't make a fuss about anything, you know? And so I give some tips on how do you regard their, their, their feelings. And one of the best things you can do is begin to learn how to ask good questions that are not interrogating questions, but are questions that draw them out. And I give a lot of sample questions that you can, um, you can use in there because I know a lot of times for parents, it's like, just give me some direction on that, you know, especially in the teen years, you know, there's so many tricky things to navigate. And so I'll, I share in there, here's some options you can. And that's actually one of them is with teens, you want to give them options. Teens, in case anybody has teens out there, this is not going to be new to you, but if, if you don't have teens, teens, wait, just wait, you'll see. Teens don't like to be told what to do. And so if you're trying to talk with them and get them to open up, it's better if you can give them options. Would you like to, would you like me to pray for you? Or would you like me just to give you some space, you know, as they're struggling through something like I have a lot of suggestions in there of here's some options, kind of like our, our game at the beginning, this or that, which one do you want? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So tell, tell me a little more. I think, I mean, my brain is still just a little like, I mean, I have a three-year-old, right. And so, you know, a three-year-old and eight month old and it's easy to fall like low into a false sense of security that I won't have to deal with this until my kids are teens. Right. It's, mm-hmm. it's the teenage angst for a reason. And yet I'm like, when at the beginning, when you said, you know, six to eight year olds, more yeah. and more common, I mean, what, what, what are a couple tips for our young families living in Howard County, living in this high pressure? I mean, I, I can't tell you the number of conversations I have with people. Well, what are you going to, where are you going to send your kid to school? Like, mm. I don't, I don't know. I, you know, it's like, I probably the school that's five feet from our house, you know, like, the, <laughs> you know, and then they go, Hmm, well, what mm. about this? And what about this program? Like, are, are, you know, are they learning like Latin? And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, probably <laughs> learning how to like build blocks. That's what kids do. But there's this huge pressure in our area mm. for, for education for our kids. And, uh, you know, long way around the, the, the question is just like, what are some of the things that you would tell our parents of the six to eight year olds? Mm. Like what are, what are those tips for the six to eight year old, you know, kids? Yeah. And here's the thing, like one of the things that parents need to understand is the way that you handle emotions is teaching your children how to handle emotions. So that's super convicting. You know, if you are the type, even with you, as you have a three-year-old, you know, how are you even at that early age beginning to acknowledge and help them acknowledge their emotions? Because it's so easy. There's so many emotions that happen in a day when you've got a three-year-old, you know, it's so easy just to kind of be like, there it is again, there's, there's this emotion or whatever, but helping speaking those words to your child. So 
you know, and I'll, I'll get to the 68 year old, but just thinking about your, your age of children, those little ones, just being able to identify with them when you see them upset or happy or whatever their emotion is to say it, Oh, look, you're happy. This is because, or whatever, you know, and talking with them, or it seems like you're sad right now. Are you sad? Does, how does, how does it feel when you're sad and let them just talk, talk with you about it. You're simply identifying emotions with them. And by you being willing to say, I'm going to identify that with you. I'm going to give you words to, for this emotion. You're actually teaching them that it's perfectly fine for us to talk about emotions. Mm. Too many times kids will go through their, their childhood and not really have that either um, indirectly or directly taught. And so um, they end up kind of just being quiet about it. So teaching them early by a, it's tricky because sometimes we can ignore emotions, especially if we're having a temper tantrum and and there is wisdom to sometimes not make a whole lot about it. But if we only ever correct or ignore emotions rather than help them identify it, you're actually teaching them how you feel about emotions. So really good in those early ages, as they get a little bit older, in the six or so age, um, again, they're already at this age able to identify and talk about their emotions. They're able to tell you how they feel a little bit more. They're able to express it in words, not just in the emotional like response. And so um, at that age, you're going to actually, believe it or not, especially as you get closer to eight, you're going to start to see mood swings that are related to hormonal changes. Oftentimes they parents will think that's not until I get into the double digits, but your, their bodies are starting to experience the early signs of puberty, even at seven, eight, mostly nine, somewhere in there. And so uh, at that age, again, they're going to start looking to their peers for emotional support, not just mom and dad. And that's okay. We need to let them be okay with expressing some of their emotions. They're going to have more independent thinking at that age. And we want to view that not as rebellion, but just as them developing and growing. Um, they're, like I said, they're going to be able to recognize their emotions and they're going to vocalize them a lot differently. It's not just going to be in tears and cries or laughs and giggles. You know, it's going to be in words themselves. So I would say for parents, continue to help your child um, regulate their emotions. And this is really key for parents because oftentimes when you're parenting, you're tired, when you're parenting, you're overwhelmed a lot of the times. And it can be easy just to respond to an emotional outburst with a little bit of a similar response. So a child is upset and maybe yelling or, or speaking loudly or feeling a little bit out of control. It's easy for us to kind of like go up a notch ourselves as parents right. and be like, okay, they're yelling. Let me kind of get their attention. When really what parents want to do is co-regulate with their child. So that basically is with them, come down to a level that is a little bit more calm, a little bit more relaxed. And in you doing that, children at that age still mirror their parents. And so in you calming down, in you using a different tone, in you even changing your facial expressions helps them to regulate their own emotions. So that's a big one in that age is, is how are you doing mom and dad? in regulating your emotions in that moment. And if you need a little space, take that space because it's really important for them. Yeah, that that's so, it's funny, right? When you're, uh, when, when you're pregnant and you're on your way to having the baby, they give you that phrase at the hospital every time, right? You know, if, you, if your baby's crying and you've just had enough, just 
you know, put the baby down and walk out of the room. And you're like, who would get that angry, right? Who gets that <laughs> angry at a at an innocent baby? Well, guess what? It takes all, you know, what, one week at home. And you're like, no, me, I get that angry. <laughs> like I get that frustrated. And and maybe even giving ourselves um, as parents the 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 grace, if you will, to, yeah. to say like, Hey, yeah, I can't, I can't regulate myself, much less help co-regulate my, my young child. I, yeah. I need to take a minute. Yeah. And I would even say, as you begin to do that, your child begins to see it as well, and they will model what you are showing them. And so another thing that you can do besides co-regulating with your children, especially in that age, I feel like you're, you're kind of in the golden age in that six to eight years old, they're old enough to kind of do a lot on their own. And yet they like to do fun things that you still like to do as a parent. But one of the things that you can teach them is to bring the Lord into these, these moments, these emotional moments, whether it's a good emotion or a bad emotion too often, we think we only bring the Lord into bad emotions. When I feel sad or when I feel angry, then we have this God talk, if you will. But it's also important to bring the Lord into the good emotions that your children feel. So I can remember with my kids when they were younger, we would take them outside a lot. I really like to go outside with my kids and we'd, we'd take these walks. Um, we lived in the mountains in California and we take these walks. Sounds almost like, you know, sound of music, but it really wasn't. It was usually hot and dry and <laughs> they didn't always love it, but we would always enjoy it in the end, they would find something, whether it was a snake or a turtle or a flower, and there would be some enjoyment that would come in that and excitement and bringing God into those moments of joy as well. And just seeing how the Lord made this for us to enjoy and look how fun it is to find this or whatever it is, or to splash around in the water or whatever it is. So bringing God into those emotions is really important because you're going to do it when they're upset. You're hopefully going to bring them towards gospel conversations of this is why we need the Lord, or when they're hurt, we want to bring comfort from the Lord, but do it also in those good emotions as well. Yeah. So just to, to summarize that, you know, for our real young ones, we want to give them words, not just correction, right? We want to, mm -hmm. we want, and on the highs and the low side of that, mm -hmm. the good and the bad um, for those six to eight year olds, we want to give them ways to regulate by, by helping them co-regulate. I've never, I've literally never even heard that word, but I think I've seen it done uh, well, and it, it really is very powerful. And then with our teens, we want to give them options. Um, but with all three at the end of the day, we want to give them God and in both the, the happy, excited emotions and the sad, angry emotions, because we believe that God is there in, in all cases. Yeah. Is, is that pretty absolutely pretty and the thing about it is you're you as a parent aren't going to be there in all cases like mm. you just said you know there's going to be times where they're going to go through things whether it's at school or beyond as they grow into adults there's going to be times where your children go through things maybe they're at their friend's house maybe they're at a party maybe who knows where they are that there are going to be some challenges and we want them to really understand the reality of psalm 46 1 which is god is an ever-present help in troubled times I want my children to know that because I'm not always going to be there for, for them. I mean, I hope to, but there's going to be times where I can't be. And I want to instill in them that God is present and he is a present help for them, no matter what they face. And so that's part of like bringing God into those conversations. And then the other thing about it is sometimes our emotions get us into places where we sin, where we do things we shouldn't do. So we, as parents want to model what that looks like to bring the gospel into those moments. And this is why we need Jesus, because sometimes our emotions get the best of us and to help your children do that as well, to bring those, those moments of them, maybe overreacting or them responding wrongly emotionally, bring them to the cross again and say, 
there is forgiveness and Mm. grace available and show them that mercy. So great opportunities as we're raising kids to bring God's uh, presence and his truth into their emotional struggles. Amen. Eliza, thank you so much for your time. Um, If you guys want to learn more, uh, obviously you can purchase Raising Emotionally Emotionally Healthy Kids on Amazon, um, or the publisher, which is 10 of those, sells it directly, and I I believe their price is better. Um, Eliza, what other options are there for families who may want to learn a little more about this um, topic or, or just about parenting and emotional health in general? Sure. So this book is one of, uh, I think, six or seven in a series, and I've written um, three of them. And so I've written the Raising Emotionally Healthy Kids. I've also written uh, Raising Kids in a Hypersexualized World. If that's something where you feel like, I don't know how to have this conversation with my child, uh, this is a book for you. We give you some, or I give you some clear direction on how to have conversations because let's just face it, our kids live in a very sexualized world. Um, The other book that I wrote is called Raising Kids in a Screen-Saturated World, which I'm sure there isn't a parent out there that isn't feeling the weight of that. And um, so those are a few books that you can uh, pick up on parenting. And you can do that at the same place you mentioned, Amazon or 10 of those. And um, they can also connect with me on my website. It's just my name, elizahuey.com. You're certainly welcome to check out things I've written there and resources I have there. Um, Also, I have my own podcast. If it's of interest to anybody, I co-host a podcast called Counsel for Life. And uh, we talk, actually, we're about to do, I don't know when this is going to air, but we are in the middle of a series and we're about to do one on why children can benefit from counseling. So that might be helpful for them to look at. Okay, well, I'll do this. I'm going to put the link for the book, your website, and the podcast in the show notes so you guys can find that um, if you want to learn more. And then just, I know this is totally another episode, and maybe we can get you back on here one day, but what age, for, for our families, what age do we need to start talking to our kids about sex? <laughs> yeah, that is another conversation, but I will say this talk early and talk often. Hmm. I, I see too many times parents make it an event when their children are older. And while I don't think that's wrong in the sense of like, don't do that, I think do more than that. So talk early and talk often is what I will say. And um, yeah, we'll go with that. That's perfect. Yeah, I, 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 I love that. Well, Eliza, thank you so much for being here with us. Um, I know that it's been a blessing for me and I'm sure it's gonna be a blessing for our families. And Um, hopefully we'll have you back soon. Sounds great. Thanks so much. Hey, y'all, as always, thank you so much for listening to this episode of In the Fire. Please check out the show notes below for lots of resources uh, from Eliza's book um, and other tips and tricks that she gave us in this episode. If you want to learn more about Chapelgate, check out our website. Otherwise, we can't wait uh, to touch base with you again next week with another episode of In the Fire.